0: Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. So I, I've, been, I've been praying for you the last couple of days. Not a ton, if I'm honest, but I have been. <laughs> I, I got a lot going on, okay? Um, but I have, okay? The point is I have. And... Uh, And when I pray specifically for this morning and what's going to take place in the next few minutes, um, it's like everything I want to communicate this morning, everything I want to get across to you, I can't. Okay, when I look in Scripture, okay, it's not like I came here and I want to teach you uh, multi, you know, geometry, okay? I, I could do that with my mind to most of your minds. I could explain geometry, right? I, I mean, I probably can't, but you, you know what I mean. I, like, if, let's say multiplication. I could explain, <laughs> like, okay, how to multiply. I might be able to figure out long division, but, you know, I, I could communicate that, you know, like a teacher in a classroom. But what Scripture says is, there's there's a... What I want to communicate, Ephesians says, is beyond knowledge. It surpasses, the Bible says, it surpasses... He, he, that's why Paul's on his knees and he's praying with God. I want them to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's beyond knowing. He's on his knees because he's going, I want to communicate this to them, but it goes beyond like one person reasoning to another person. It surpasses knowledge. It's not something you just transfer from a chalkboard into your mind. And, and I was just thinking about everything I want for you, okay? Because I've known God for like 35 years. And, and it just gets better and better and better. And it's like, gosh, I want that, but I can't teach it. I can't make that happen. So I've been praying for you. And, uh, and I ask you, even as I'm speaking, for your own sake, be praying for me that God would communicate through me to you because you didn't come here to have some guy fly in and try to talk you into something. That's not why you showed up. You showed up because you wanted to experience something that's beyond human reasoning, right? And beyond a a speaker coming and and talking you into something and making you feel guilty, that's not why we're here. It's like, I want to experience God. You know, And, and it used to be in my younger years where I would be excited just to get in front of a crowd, just to give a message and have people say, oh, good job. You know, or have people leave going, oh, I'm really convicted by that. And, and I seriously used to get excited about that, and go, wow, that was cool, and jump back on a plane, and I did it, and uh, even when people, and I'd get this a lot when I was younger, they'd be like, I still get it some, but like, uh, oh, I felt so guilty after that message, you know? And I'd be like, good, you know? <laughs> Like you were listening, I, you know, I impacted you. You leave feeling terrible about yourself, and uh, I seriously would feel like, okay, I did my job. And and as I was praying about this specific gathering and the topic I've been given, which was a, a you know, generosity having to do with Advent, I thought, man, it used to be that I'd be happy to give a message on giving. And have people leave going, yeah, I don't give enough. I'm going to give a little more. And I'm just like, that is so not what I want. Like, and if this is done well, my hope is no one, not a single person, leaves feeling guilty, but that some people do leave feeling envious and that some people would leave where there's a lasting life change, okay? And this doesn't happen through, okay, I've been speaking for for 30 years, and there were many times when people would weep, make decisions, and it would last five, 10 years, and then you start to realize there's an ending point to those things because it didn't come from inside it was someone externally talking you into something and then people externally keeping you to that commitment and the moment that safety was taken away and you're by yourself you walk away But what I'm praying for this morning is that there's this interaction that that isn't about me, that it's between you and God, that God does something at the core of your being to where you you can't walk away from it. And you don't need a bunch of people surrounding you, forcing you to, to, to stay on this path. But something changes inside of you to where you see that's what happened to me. Man, when I was young, it's, it's like something happened inside. My friends, they all went their different directions, but something happened to me inside, it, and I couldn't change that. I couldn't walk away from it, even if I wanted to. You see, the Bible talks about fruit that lasts, not last for five years, 10 years, and then goes a different direction, not last until, you know, Garden Church, you know, gets kicked out of their school or whatever. You know, it's, it's, that's not what we're excited about. It's about something that could change in your heart and it remains. It has remained in me since I was in high school. In fact, yesterday, I just did a funeral yesterday for a friend, a high school friend of mine, her husband passed away and to see a couple, just a couple of people from back in those high school days, just a handful, where we're like, wow, it was real to you, huh? Because it's been 35 years since I've seen you. And that change, What we experienced as teenagers still lasts, and it's better, and it's sweeter, and it's more amazing. But it's just a few of us. The rest, there were hundreds that would come and listen and do this and that and externally even change some of their behavior. But what we want is what lasts. And the older you get, uh, the more you just go, I'm done with the, oh, that was, I want to see ongoing, something that's from God, something that is internal. See, in 1 John 1 John 3, I just want to read some verses to you. 1 John 3, starting in verse 6. Okay, this is the Bible now, the Word of God. So let's revere these words. God says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or knows him. "'Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil.' No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Those are strong words, right? I, I mean, it's just scripture, though. you take it home, read it, see if I'm making anything up. We've got to stop just listening to what people say and just just read this book. I mean, this book is powerful. Uh, You know, and and sometimes, you know, we can skip certain passages or if you just go to gatherings or listen to podcasts or whatever else, you're going to just hear what that particular person is real excited about over and over and over. But if you're a person who's reading through the Bible, you know, and that's why in our churches, like we, everyone reads through the entire Bible every year. You know, because we want this to be our mind, not what I'm feeling at the moment, but just reading these words. And it says some strong words here, but you gotta understand, this, this is so encouraging. Okay, this is not to bum you out. John says, I write this to make your joy complete, to make my joy complete. He goes, I want you to get it. And this has given me so much joy. He says, okay, anyone who's been born of God He cannot keep sinning because God's seed abides in him. Okay, see, this is is what I'm praying for. It's, 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 It's not you believing what I believe or saying, yeah, I agree with him or I like what he said. That's so shallow. Okay, what I want is God himself in heaven. The Bible says there's a way in which he can actually enter into you and abide inside of you. It says you can't keep sinning because now he entered into you. It's about the Holy Spirit of God making his residence inside of you. And the Bible says when that happens, it's like you take on his DNA. And you used to be able to just stay in the things that God hates. But now it's like he's in you and there's this war going on where, man, I I felt it. Like, like man, when I became a believer, there were just certain things that, that still attracted me that I used to just walk in. But now it's like every time I started heading that direction, it's like, ugh. This isn't fun to me anymore. I still want it somehow, it's weird, but I don't, I don't have peace. Why, because the Bible says his seed abides in you. This is what we're praying for. See, it, what, what scares me in a lot of like church circles nowadays is I don't see a lot going on inside of people. You know, like about a month ago, I was in in Texas at the Texas Speedway doing another big Christian event. And as I'm praying for that one, I prayed for them more. Uh, I had this picture in my head of like them all being like a giant swimming pool, like if this was a swimming pool, and everyone was wearing a life jacket. And so I looked at this crowd, and I'm like, I can't tell who can swim and who can't because everyone's propped up by something external and I wish I could just take those life jackets off to see who had it in them to be able to swim. When I read about the Holy Spirit of God, it talks about when God's spirit enters into you, how suddenly you from the inside the spirit in you now starts crying, Abba, Father. Like you start wanting him. Like, God, somehow I know that you love me. And I don't need everyone around me begging me. You gotta, you gotta know God. You've gotta read the Bible. You've gotta pray to him. You, you've, gotta, you've got to, got to, got to and talk me into something. It's like, no, everything inside of me actually wants this. I actually love him. I actually care about what he thinks of me right now. I I want his applause and his pleasure far more than yours. Like it's a real thing from inside of me. And in the same way, he says, when his seed enters into you, you can't keep sinning. He says, it's like you become a slave to righteousness, Romans says. He says you used to be a slave to sin, like you couldn't control yourself. Whatever looked good, you, you just had to go after it. But then once his seed enters into you, it's like a new desire. And you spend the rest of your life like putting to death that old you. And it's a process. I'm not saying like I'm sinless now. I'm just saying that whenever I do sin, it's like, this isn't me. I gotta get out of this. I gotta... That's why he says whoever can just stay in their sin, they're... they don't know God. God's not in there. You're... If his seed abides in you, he says you just can't keep going on. See, that's why. Okay, if you look a few verses later at 1 John three sixteen, he says, by this we know love. He laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You see what he's saying there? In context of what he just said about God's seed abiding in you, he says if God's seed abides in you and you're walking around and you see your brother in need and you could help him, but you just, you choose not to. You just close your heart. He goes, how could God's love be abiding in you? A person with the DNA of God doesn't walk by that kind of need. That's why for some of us who have the spirit of God, it's, it's not even like we're trying to be generous. It's just, it, it just becomes more and more who we are. It's like a natural thing when i heard that couple sorry i forgot their name you know but up here you know in south africa and i mean i hear about the need and i don't even know them i i don't know you know i'm not from your your church or whatever just my initial reaction is i want to do something i want to help them i'm going to figure out i'm going to you know it's just you, it's, it's like this natural, I wasn't trying to, I was like, oh, God, come on, make me feel guilty, so I give him some money. It's just like you want to. It's, it's, it, see, it's, it becomes, this is the thing, is it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and the result is the generosity This isn't a rah, rah, come on, let's be more generous people. It's like, man, I want you to experience God. This is, he goes, this is how we know love. He laid down his life for us. This is the DNA that was put in us who are believers. The DNA of Jesus Christ who laid down not just his possessions, but he laid down his life for us. And now we're saying, yeah, and he is in me. And he's like, okay, well then how come this is weird? You have his DNA and yet you can just walk by needs and it doesn't phase you? And John's saying, wait, you have his seed inside of you and yet you can just keep continuing in all the things that he hates? He's going, I don't think you know him. How could the love of Christ abide in you? It's was like, I, I tell my, my, my daughter, one of my daughters, she'll be here at the next service because she, she goes to school nearby. Um, when she was born, I was, I was actually sad because I looked at her and she looked so much like me. And I was like, oh man, me as a girl, this is, this is gonna get crazy, you know? And I was just sad, you know? and. Cause I love her, and I wanted her to look like her, you know, her mom, and and then I remember even when she was young, you know, five, six, seven, people would say, "You look so much like your dad," and she would literally—this is not exaggerate—she would burst into tears. <laughs> she just would, and. My, my point is, it's like, I'm sorry, but my seed is in you. You're going to look like me. You can do all the plastic surgery you want, but I'm going to burst through. And it's that same principle. He's saying, here is God's seed abides in you. And so he's going to burst through through you can't just walk away from need it's it's who you are now you can't just keep walking in sin he won't let you that's why you're here to worship him that's why some of you are leading you know church you know home churches and everything and you give your time and you're out sharing why because that's the dna that's in you you can't just keep living life for yourself you know it and and it's a wonderful thing it's actually a gift. Do you understand that? Your generosity is not something you brag about. Your generosity, you should be sitting back and going, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you for making me generous because it would suck to be selfish. I used to be selfish. I used to look at people like if I met you, I'd think, what what, what can I get from him? Oh, 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 he's, he's wealthy. I don't know if you are. Yeah, you don't look, okay, but if I, if you were and I knew it, no, this is the way I used to think is, I wonder what I can get from him, you know, or if you, you know, if you worked at wherever, I don't even care, the bowling alley, I think, I wonder if I can get free games or, you know, it's just, you look at people as opportunities and it's a miserable way to live. It's a miserable way to live. And in every church, there are people like that. You come and you, all you can think about is yourself. And you walk away going, those people, they didn't love me well enough. You didn't love me well enough. You didn't take care of my needs. I'm going somewhere else. And you meet these people, and you're like, oh, gosh. It's not like I used to get angry, and now it's just like, I'm so sad for you. You can't get your mind off of yourself. Versus, you know who I'm talking about, the people that are just givers. Like, they show up, and they're so full of life, and they just, they just want to bless you. Like, they don't look at you as an opportunity. I wonder what I can get from them. I wonder what I can take from them. They look at you and they just like, can I believe, you know, you joked about those Pentecostals, you know, that'll show, you know, shake your hand and you walk away and you're like, they gave me 20 bucks. Like, I remember the first time that happened, you know, I thought, okay, where's your church? Where's your no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, it was just a weird thing. It's like, wait, hey, did you mean to give me this? this, this? She goes, no, that's what we do. We always want to bless. And I thought, man... And, and, and there's a weirdness to that. I'm not saying do that because seriously, that could, could screw up Darren, you know, <laughs> especially in these big gatherings. I've seen it like get weird that way where it's like, oh, it's just the, the man of God, the man of God up front. I'm going to bless him. I want to bless you. And that's awesome. But also understand I've seen that abuse and then actually hurt the person up front to where the greed and everything else. But what I'm saying is that principle I want you to keep that picture in your mind though, of just imagining everyone you come in contact with is I want them to walk away with something. Because think about this. This is why I'm saying it's a gift. Think about the people you know that are the most, think of the most self-centered person you know. Okay, you might be sitting next to them. You know, what? Kidding. Uh, Do you envy them? Like, do you ever go, I wish I was like him. And now think about the most generous person you know. It's not necessarily like a rich person, you know? And do you you picture their faces? It's like, I meet very few angry, generous people. (laughs) Like, yeah, right? It's comical. It's like, really, yeah, an angry, generous. It it just... (laughs) That's why Jesus said, look, who's gonna be blessed, the person who gives or the person who receives? He goes, blessed, it's so much more blessed to give than to receive. That's why one of my favorite passages is in 2 Corinthians 8 on this topic when he talks about generosity. You gotta catch this, 2 Corinthians 8, he talks about this church and he goes, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. He goes, I got to tell you about this church. He goes, I tell you what happens. He goes, I'm not even begging them. So it wasn't like he came and I, I gave this giving spiel. I made him feel sorry for it. no. He goes, I went. He goes, I gotta tell you about what God's doing inside of them. They are actually in extreme poverty. They're actually in extreme poverty, but God's grace was so real in their lives that they're begging us to take part in the giving of the relief of these other saints. Paul's like, look at these guys. They're dirt poor. And they're begging, it says, out of the abundance of their joy. Again, these givers are like, come on, come on, just let me, I know I don't have a lot, but please, can I just, I just want a piece of that, I just want a piece of helping these other people, it's just who I am, can you just picture these poor people begging to give. And the point is, that I'm making here, is that first verse that he says, we want you to know, brothers... About the grace of God, not the grace of these youth, the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Because I want you to know about how God blessed a group of people. How did he bless them? He blessed them with generosity, God made them that way. To the point where they had so much joy in him that they're begging us. Like the Holy Spirit was so real in them that even though they had nothing, they're begging for an opportunity to give out of their joy. I didn't have to talk them into any. This is just a gift. God gave them this gift. This, is, this was the grace of God. So this is what I've been praying for you. It's got your grace. Because something I wrote down yesterday as I was thinking about you guys and praying for you is I realized that true generosity is a byproduct of knowing the value of God. See, when you realize what you have in Christ, like the treasure, like when you get if God, be kidding me. The creator of the earth that's keeping us all alive right now. He loves me, He's forgiven me. He has this eternity for me. He says, one day I'm gonna see him and he's just gonna welcome me and he's gonna, Jesus is going to proclaim my name before the Father and the holy angels and he's gonna write his name on me. He's gonna make me a pillar. He's, he's, like all of this stuff. I don't even have a category for this. I was reading through Revelation and it was talking about the one who overcomes, you know, the, the lukewarm church. He goes, I'm gonna give him the right to sit on my throne with me. And I'm sitting there Picturing the throne of God, which he describes in the next few verses of lightning, thunder, fire, angels everywhere, and, and, and Christ right there on the throne. And he's saying, you overcome this world, and you, you see me as a greater treasure, and I'm gonna have you, Francis, sit on this throne with me. We're gonna rule every friggin' thing that exists, like you and me. and And you get that, and you start believing, and you start daydreaming about that. Pretty soon you look at money, and you go, what your stuff and you what of course take it you think i'm gonna busy myself with money you think that i live to gain possessions that's ridiculous see this is what i want and the bible says that there are those that god opens your eyes to the glory of christ That somehow, he says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, he explains that there are those who are just blinded. Like, you'll listen to what I just said, and you go, ooh, that's real exciting, sitting on a throne. And you're just like, you you haven't seen my house, you haven't seen my car, you have no idea what I've saved up, and you're you're just like... You don't know this girl I'm with. You don't know this guy I'm with. You don't know this, this. It's just, you don't even get it. You see religion and this as like, oh, that's a good moral thing to do is take my family to church and give them some you know, some rights and wrongs. It's a good place to raise my kids. I made some friends. It's like, you don't get it. Like, it's him who is so valuable. That's what Advent and Christmas is about, is you're just like, now you're telling me that almighty God loved me so much that rather than punishing me for all the things he rightfully should punish me for, he says, you wanna see generosity? Uh, This is the most extravagant, extravagant gift that will ever be given. Almighty God is going to have his son take the form of a man and God is going to put him on a cross and have him pay for everything you've done so that you can be forgiven and that you can know me and I'll put my spirit in you if you want so that you'll no longer just live for yourself Because you see where Francis Chan is taking this body, and this person. You see his greed, his self-centeredness, how he just keeps thinking about himself. We can actually put him to death. Because wouldn't you rather be a person that is always thinking about others, and thinking about God, and can be generous, and sees these treasures in heaven and is just content. So you walk in this room, not with all of these needs, but you come in here just blown away that you know this God and you just wanna give. You just like, it's just flowing out of you because his seed abides in you. That's a God we have. God so loved the world that he gave. And those of us who are here who have that spirit, we go, oh, that's why. That's why it's like I can't walk away from need. That's why I hate sin. It's because he lives in me. And I, I guess the, the thought I have is, again, like the last thing we want is for you to, with guilt, give more. That's just empty. Uh, There may be some of you here today who say, you know, I think I was the guy with the life jacket, that if I take this thing off, I don't think I can swim. I need all of this to keep me afloat. Rather than the others of us who say, I don't know, something happened in me, and you can drop me off in the middle of a jungle where everyone hates Jesus, and I'll just keep worshiping him because I love him. And I'm in environments where they're all doing these things, but I can't do it because it's like I personally hate it. Even if no one finds out, I hate it. And when I see needs, it's like I just, I want to. Like this, that's the gift, okay? It's not working, trying harder. There is effort involved. But it's about an internal change that is God's gift to you the forgiveness and his presence in your life. That's what we're praying for. And we don't want anything less than that. And we're not talking about talking you into an emotional response. It could be. See, like I grew up, I'd saw crosses, I'd see crucifixes, and I didn't know what it meant. I even knew, okay, that's Jesus on there. But I didn't get it. Till at one point, my eyes were opened, I'm like, Oh, that's what the cross means. And there's something I need to do. So this has nothing to do with my family, nothing to do with this church, nothing to do with anything else other than God is opening my eyes to how beautiful He is. I can't believe He did that for me and He's opening my eyes to the ugliness of who I am and the things that I've done. He's beautiful man, I'm making a mess of my life and the lives of others. God, come into me, because I want to be a giver. I'm done being a taker. Fill me up so that I can give. And that was just the most amazing gift that he wants to give to you, because you may be sitting there and going, yeah, it's not coming from in here. And if that's you, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to have people pray for you to admit. I mean, if you leave and go, well, I'm a pretty good person and you're pretty happy with yourself and you could spend all day just looking in the mirror and going, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, but there's others of us who we don't want to look in the mirror. We, we actually want to stare at him and we go, wow, he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. I want more of him. I want him more in my life. If that is you, we want to pray for you. If you want to come to the end of yourself today and say, you know what, I'm done. The Bible says, I, like Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Paul says, I know the old me in the flesh, just doing everything that, that, you know, that was offensive to God. He goes, I, I want a new me. Let's, and all that other stuff that I was so proud of, he goes, it's all dung to me. Literally, it's crap to me. All the things I used to be proud of. And now for me to live is Christ. And to die is going to be incredible gain because I'll get even more of him. And maybe this morning in this short time, God opens your eyes and you go, I get it. I want it. I'm ready to die to myself. And I want Christ to live in me. And I want to be this generous person. But from the core of my being. Who I am, I want to be like Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.